G'day everyone, welcome to The Journey this week, coming to you like it does every week from Dharawal country. It's the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name's Max Norden and this week I'm in the chair for Jude Hennessy. It's been a little hard for us to get into the office during the past week due to significant road closures around our office in Wollongong during the UCI Road World Championship Cycling Competition. And so because Jude can't get into the studio this week, I'm in the chair and what a great show we've got lined up for you. It looks like Father Dave Callahan's been seeing the huge spectator crowds in Wollongong for the UCI Road event and he tells us in his segment that Christianity is not a spectator sport. He says that we should be inspired by the example of the saints and the holy people who have gone before us and know that the same thing is possible for us. Trish McCarthy observes how a young child tries to use words and gestures to communicate to her mum and it reminds her of the many times we get to the point of frustration and run out of words to express our emotions and thoughts. She's got some tips on how to be a better communicator. Father Anthony Crook continues his Spirituality and Wellbeing series. Today he begins a new two-part series on how we can handle the feelings of guilt, problems with forgiveness, feelings of betrayal or loss of meaning and purpose. Mother Hilda, in her wisdom from the Abbey Spot, has been doing some brain games on the computer. After doing particularly well in one of the word games, the computer said she was now officially awesome. Well, that's something we've known for a long time. But it causes Mother Hilda to ponder on what it is that makes a person officially awesome. You'll get her answer in her wisdom from the Abbey Spot. Our Gospel Reflection is one of our regular presenters, Father Mark D. Batista, and made available to us by Mass for You at Home, the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference and Network 10, and we sincerely thank them for these Gospel Reflections each week. Father Mark says, The parable about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus is about judgments and the choice we make between good and evil. But the parable also has an interesting twist about love and self-interest. So let's get to this week's gospel. It's Luke chapter 16 verses 19 to 31. The gospel story of the rich man living in luxury and egoism and poor Lazarus waiting for leftover food from the rich man's table. I'm going to proclaim the gospel for you in just a moment. Then we'll hear from Father Mark de Batista. And coming up after that, one of Casting Crown's recently released new tracks, Jesus at a Distance. Faith, hope, love and life. I'm Max Norden, sitting in for Jude Hennessy, and I'm so glad that you've been able to join us on the journey. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who used to dress in purple and fine linen and feast magnificently every day. And at his gate there lay a poor man called Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to fill himself with the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even came and linked his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In his torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus in his bosom. So he cried out, Father Abraham, 
pity me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. My son, Abraham replied, remember that during your life good things came your way, just as bad things came the way of Lazarus. Now he has been comforted here while you are in agony. But that is not all. Between us and you, a great gulf has been fixed to stop anyone, if he wanted to, crossing from our side to yours and to stop any crossing from your side to ours. The rich man replied, Father, I beg you to then send Lazarus to my father's house, since I have five brothers, to give them warning so that they do not come to this place of torment too. They have Moses and the prophet, said Abraham. Let them listen to them. Ah, no, Father Abraham, said the rich man. But if someone should come to them from the dead, they will repent. Then Abraham said to him, If they will not listen to either to Moses or to the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. And now, the Gospel Reflection with Father Mark D. Battista. Jesus tells a beautiful parable, and you love the way he really prepares the audience to get into the scene. You know, there's a rich man who's a fat pig, you might say, and he's gorging himself and dresses well and doesn't care about anyone else. And then there's this poor man, Lazarus, who actually has a name. The rich man, notice, doesn't have a name. He's not worthy of a name. But Lazarus does. And the dogs even come and lick his sores, we're told. So, of course, it's about judgment, the final judgment, and the fact that at the end of our lives, we will be judged by God and we will get heaven or hell. That's it. Now, we may spend some time in purgatory, but eventually we're going to get to heaven. So the ultimate decision is a choice between heaven and hell. And this is the choice that everybody on this earth whether they're Catholic, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, whatever they are, they must make. Ultimately, it's a choice between good and evil. And each one responds to how well God knows him and how well they they know the teachings of God, even though they may not know him personally. But this is the fundamental choice. Now, some have said, well, this could be a temporary phase that they're talking about, but really, we're talking about Lazarus is in heaven and the rich man is in hell. And we know this because Abraham himself says that there is a great chasm here. One cannot cross from one side to the other. So it's permanent. So it's fixed and it lasts forever. An interesting twist though. Once the rich man is told this, he comes back to Abraham and says, look, can you send Lazarus then to talk to my five brothers because of, uh, you know, I don't want them to come to this place. I don't know about you, but that to me, it sounds like he actually has love for his brothers. Whereas in hell, we're told love doesn't exist anymore. So what's going on there? St. Catherine of Siena, who lived in the 14th century, has a beautiful insight to describe why the rich man in fact, wanted to send Lazarus to his brothers. And it's because he knew that if his brothers followed his example, then they would end up in hell too, and his own pains would increase. 
So his care or his seeming care for his brothers isn't coming out of love, but coming out of self-interest. So the next time you have to make a decision, be it big or small, ask yourselves in your heart of hearts, are you doing this because you really care and love the person you are doing this for, or if you're doing it because you want to make yourself more comfortable? You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. I've been keeping Jesus at a distance, so afraid to let him get too close to the two lives I've been living, as if he couldn't see them both. Close enough to feel the warmth of the fire, far enough away for me to hide. But I'm tired of walking the wire between the darkness and the light. No more Jesus at a distance, no more pushing you away. I don't want to settle for the back row of some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now, cause there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance can change every part of me, every part of me. was offered resurrection, but I settled for the grave. I had the chance to walk on water, but I chose to play it safe. I've been hiding from a healer. I thought my wounds were out of reach. But at the end of all my running, you're still running after me. So no more Jesus at a distance. No more pushing you. I don't want to settle for the back row of some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now, cause there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance, you'll change every part of me, every part of me. When I can barely hold it together Every part of me, every part of me When I can't control where tomorrow's going Every part of me, every part of me When the ghost of my yesterdays come calling Every part of me, every part of me Who I am when there's no one else around Every part of me, every part of me When the sun comes up to the sun goes down No more Jesus at a distance, no more pushing you away. I don't want to settle for the back row of some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now, cause there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance, you change every part of me, every part of me, every part of me. Nothing you don't see 
No more Jesus at a distance Come change every part of me No more Jesus at a distance Come change every part of me You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. Like many people in my particular age group, I've recently taken to doing brain games. Little mental exercises that are supposed to boost our mental strength and keep us from being a drain on the hospital system in years to come. The computer gives little comments, always encouraging, but nonetheless challenging when I've completed the game. There is something of a patronising tone when the game assures me that I've done well, but there is room for improvement. It reminds me of the microwave oven we used to have once that displayed a sign telling a person to enjoy their meal when they took the melted butter out of the inner sanctum of the microwave. Last week, after I had done particularly well in one of the word games, the computer gave me the results and then told me, get this, told me that I was now officially awesome. I wanted to say, oh really? And what credentials do you have to make this assessment? Do you know me? On what basis am I officially awesome? Will I be entered into your officially awesome records? Will you meet me at a ceremony to present my officially awesome medal? I mulled over this and thought, what is it that makes a person officially awesome? Surely not a word game. Isn't it love, kindness, concern for one another, capacity to forgive, Willingness to give another start. Surely this is what makes a person officially awesome. Have you ever had someone do something kind for you and get you out of a whole lot of trouble of whatever kind? I remember someone, Cheryl was her name. She was telling me how particularly low she felt once. Her life was horrible. Money was short. And on this particular day, she wondered how long she could continue. She was wheeling the stroller past a neighbour's house when the neighbour Donna appeared and simply said, Fancy a cuppa? That was the beginning of a life-saving turnaround. Cheryl would say to this day that Donna was officially awesome. Make a mental note sometime. Who in your life is officially awesome? And what of God? What is it that makes God officially awesome? Surely it's his fidelity to you and me, his willingness to give us another start every day, his presence in our lives, his love for us that makes him officially awesome. I guess I can be grateful to a human-built iPad who is really only reminding me of an awesome story. We don't have to succeed in anything. Because of God's love and its effect in our lives, you and I are all officially awesome. Thanks, Mother Hilda. So, would a computer score you as officially awesome? It doesn't matter, does it? Because, as Mother Hilda says, God scores us as officially awesome all the time. 
After the break, Father Anthony Crooks along with his positive psychology segment. Today he continues his episodes on spirituality and well-being by looking at the experience of moral injury, such as loss of spirituality, feelings of guilt, problems with forgiveness or feelings of betrayal. But coming up right now, the music continues with Anne Wilson and one of her 2022 releases, My Jesus. And after the break, we'll be back with music from Chris Tomlin and Phil Wickham. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Max Norton, sitting in this week for Jude Hennessy. Thanks for being on the journey. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness.
And now, with some more positive psychology, here's Father Anthony Crook. Over the past 20 to 30 years, counsellors, clinicians and researchers have been writing about what the literature refers to as moral injury. Definitions abound for this, some focusing on the ongoing existential response a person has after committing an action that is contrary to their moral framework, while others pay attention to the ongoing experience a person may have after something has been done to them. Part of the current definition used by the Australian Defence Force includes the following. A trauma-related syndrome caused by the physical, psychological, social and spiritual impact of grievous moral transgressions or violations of an individual's deeply held moral beliefs and or ethical standards due to an individual perpetrating, failing to prevent, bearing witness to or learning about inhumane acts which result in the pain, suffering or death of others and which fundamentally challenges the moral integrity of an individual, organisation or community. In essence, what this definition and the others at play in the research literature seek to attend to is the ongoing experience many people have after living through something or perhaps a number of things that seems to fracture the way the person understands the world, that is, the way the world should be. It seems there has been some significant tear in the moral fabric of the world for that individual. The experience of moral injury includes features such as negative changes in ethical attitudes and behaviour, change in or loss of spirituality, feelings of guilt or shame or problems with forgiveness, reduced trust in others and in social institutions, feelings of betrayal, loss of meaning or purpose, a loss of interest in things that usually bring pleasure, and perhaps an increase in aggression or shortness of temper. Practitioners initially thought this experience might be a variation in the way that traumatic stress disorders or major depressive disorders present, but there were significant differences between the presentation of moral injury and either of these. There was also a difference in what seemed to be at the core of this ongoing experience. That being that moral injury seemed not to be a mental health disorder, but instead the experience of a person whose existential or spiritual being had been damaged. The experience, whether as victim, observer or perpetrator, seemed to tear at a very foundational level at how the person understood the world and how people should respond and relate to each other. In essence, moral injury is an injury to the way that we make meaning in the world, and what is at the heart of this meaning-making for many people is that part of human experience we refer to as spirituality. It should come as no surprise then that it is chaplains whom the Australian Defence Force believe to be the subject matter experts in assisting people who experience the ongoing effects of moral injury. It is a recognition of the importance of spirituality and faith in the lives of people. I'm Father Anthony Crook. Join me again in another in our series on positive psychology and spirituality and well-being. Thank you, Father Anthony Crook. He'll be continuing this series on spirituality and well-being next time he's on the show. But coming up after the break, 
Trish McCarthy in her Milk and Honey segment, and Trish is giving some tips on how to be a better communicator and how to better express how we feel or what we would like to have happen. Right now, though, it's time to get back into some more music. Here's Ellie Holcomb and I Will Carry You. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Max Norton, sitting in this week for Jude Hennessy, and you're still on the journey. I know you're tired, I see it in your eyes All that anxiety that moves your mind I'll be your shield when you don't feel like you've got strength enough to fight I'll stand by your side Love and life. This is the journey. And now it's time for Milk and Honey with Trish McCarthy. A little while ago, I went to visit a good friend of mine. At the time, she had just had one little bundle of joy, Ruby. It was breakfast time, and little Ruby had colourfully decorated everything in sight in the process of consuming her toast. 
Having done her dash, her frustration increased as she tried to free herself from the high chair. Her hand began to wave and sounds of desperation escaped from her lips, which caught the attention of her mum. I'll never forget the encounter between the two as mum deciphered the needs of her child and calmly encouraged her, Use your words, Ruby. What would you like? In child gibberish and symbolism, it was established that she had finished eating and would like to get down. Please, mum. There are many times we get to the point of frustration or run out of words to express our emotions and thoughts. At this point, we often revert to physical communication. There are both life-giving and destructive expressions that people employ, including violence, intimacy, touch, physical activity, vandalism, and creative arts, to name a few. Each with the aim of communicating something of who we are, what we're thinking, and what we need or how we're feeling. My encouragement today is to invest in and expand your vocabulary. Learn some new words to communicate what you experience. For example, rather than answering good to the question, how are you today? You might respond with alive or spontaneous or joyful or perplexed. St. Matthew says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words are powerful things and when used creatively can ease our frustration and help us communicate our needs effectively. I believe the more words we have to draw upon, the more effective our communication with ourselves and others will be. Thanks, Trish McCarthy, for that really good tip of rethinking and rewording how we respond when our friends ask us, how are we going? We can be a better communicator by increasing our vocabulary so we can more accurately describe how we feel and what we want. Now, coming up after the break, Father Dave Callahan makes the call that Christianity isn't a spectator sport. We're expected to get up out of the lounge chair and get out among the action. Right now, though, more music. Here's Jason Crabb and Free at Last. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Max Norden, sitting in for Jude Hennessy for this week. We're getting towards the end, but you're still on the journey. I was a prisoner to myself I was the maker of my chains I was shackled by the things I thought I wanted I thought they made me free I didn't see their hold on me All along it was you I really wanted I've been set free, my shame was gone
shackles are broken. You can't tell me what God can do. I'm free like a prisoner. Been pardoned. I'm from Yarrambo, New South Wales, and you're on the journey.
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. Here are the missionaries of God's love with The Call. We live in a world that is obsessed by sport. Every day, the media reports on men and women whose whole lives have been devoted to the pursuit of excellence in their chosen sport. We are fascinated by their heroic achievements, but also by the sacrifice that is made in the name of success. Yet while most of us enjoy speaking of their achievements, we would never dare to make the same sacrifices or commit ourselves to such goals. It is much safer being a spectator watching it all from the safety and comfort of our lounge room. The same principle unfortunately applies to Christianity. We love to speak about the saints, the holy people who have gone before us. We will tell stories of their heroic faith and the sacrifices that they have made, but we would never dare to follow them. The Catholic author, George Bernanos, once said of the church, You are rather like the legendary Italian soldiers waiting to attack. All of a sudden, the colonel snatches up his sabre, jumps over the parapet, and charges off beneath heavy fire all by himself, crying, Avanti, Avanti. Whilst his soldiers remain crouched under cover, electrified by such a display of valour, clapping loudly with tears in their eyes, saying, Bravo, Bravo. Bernanos is challenging us as a church to not just be spectators. The whole reason why these holy men and women have charged off in pursuit of Christ, in pursuit of holiness, is so that we would follow, that we would be inspired by their example and know that the same thing is possible for us. So let's not be discouraged. Let's not be passive and sit back in the comfort of our insecurity but have the courage to stand up and truly follow Christ. I'm Father Dave Callahan from the Missionaries of God's Love. Find out more about us at mglpriestsandbrothers.org. I am a Christian and my name is Pilgrim. I'm on a journey, but I'm not alone. Jesus is with me and he goes before me. Yeah, his love surrounds me. He's leading me home. One step at a time for now Just keep your feet on the ground Don't lose your way chasing the crowd It's where your road begins Don't stop, don't settle in Just tell yourself there's something more than this Just tell yourself there's something more than this Everybody say It happens.
This is one of the advantages of putting this show together each week. I can often match the music to the fantastic content from our presenters, and that one was a real classic. New songs, I Am a Christian, to follow on from Father Dave Callahan saying that Christianity is not a spectator sport. So in footy finals time, are you going out to score some goals for the Christians? Thanks to all our contributors to the show this week, to Father Dave Callahan, Trish McCarthy, Father Anthony Crook, Mother Hilda Scott, and back at the beginning, Father Mark DeBattista from Port Kembla Parish in the Illawarra with the Gospel Reflection. And a special thanks to all our participating radio stations as well, no matter where you're listening, along the East Coast, down in Tassie, in the nation's capital, over in the West, or over the divide across regional Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, we just love doing this show for you. And we'll be doing it all again next week. Faith, hope, love and life, my name's Max Norton, sitting in this week for Jude Hennessy. The Journey is produced in Durrell Country by the Office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong. Check us out at jcr.org.au.